I have a little riddle for you. What is the one key understanding that allows some men to learn seduction quickly, deeply, and to be able to integrate it into their personality so it comes across as natural? Whereas so many men struggle with just the basics. They desperately want to go out and engage with women to express their desire, to make a real connection, and yet even when they do manage to go out and approach, often it comes across as forced, unnatural, and just not fun. Unfortunately, in those situations, the girls can feel it too, which means that these interactions very rarely lead to dates. The answer... Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. What is the difference that makes the difference between a man who is able to internalize the art form of seduction and to be able to express it in a way that is natural and seamless and effortless and the guy who is out there grinding, trying out different techniques. You know, if, if, he's, if he is actually going out there and approaching, he's often banging his head against the wall because he's doing the same thing over and over again or trying different lines or different angles of approach or different ways to, to deliver things. And yet the results uh, aren't very impressive in the sense the metrics just don't look very good. Uh, I, I meet a lot of guys before they come to me to do coaching uh, who have done a lot of approaches. Many of them have not done many, but many of them have done a lot. And often they complain, they're like, well, I've done like hundreds of approaches and I got, you know, like 50 numbers and out of that I got, uh, you know, a bunch of flaky girls that were to and fro texting and then I got, you know, a few dates and then they fizzled, right? And of course that's demoralizing. If you're, if you're looking at seduction or trying to get good with women, trying to make a connection, trying to get a girlfriend, trying to get laid and, uh, you are having the experience where it's not fun, it's work, and it just seems like it's just about the numbers, right? That I have to do a thousand approaches in order to get laid. Of course, that's demoralizing. If you, if you look at it like that and your experience says that, then it's not gonna motivate you to keep going. One of the basic facts of seduction is that it needs to be more or less fun for you to get good at it. Now, I'm not saying that all aspects of it will be fun, and uh, even to this day, as I, you know, when I'm, uh, out meeting women, it's not always fun. You'll have experiences where people will be rude to you or nasty or you say something silly and you feel like a fool. Okay, it's, it's not always fun and enjoyable, but the overall process is because the process is about creativity. It's about expansion of you as a man. It's about expressing yourself and that's a really joyful and enjoyable thing. So how do we get to that point, right? Where this is an expression of, of an art form, right? It's, it's, a, it's about a flow. It's, an, it's about true connection as opposed to I am doing the work of seduction to get to, you know, I have to do the homework to eventually get the, you know, the degree, to eventually get the job, to eventually have to grind it out for 50 years to finally get to retire into pussy land. Right? So the answer to my question is that there are different ways of thinking and operating and they, they come down to two primary ways of doing things. Now, this is, I'll, I'll say this early on so that you can start to think about this in, in the greater scheme of your life. Everything I say now is applicable to seduction, dating, being good with women. But it is also applicable to almost every other, I probably, I, I don't want to say every because maybe I'm wrong, but almost every other skill set or art form that you could learn in your life, right? So this is a, a thinking technology system. 
and it relates to this. You either learn things through techniques or you learn through principles. So let me explain. Technique-based learning relies on you learning a series of steps, uh, usually in a chronological order, and being able to click them together like Lego blocks in a sequence that means that you get from A to Z. So in, this, in the seduction world, way back in the day in the early 2000s when, when we were first starting out, that's, that's an old Australian man's voice, by the way, in case you didn't know, <laughs> back when we were starting out, most of the teachers that existed at the time only taught techniques. So the classic one being the mystery method, right? So the mystery method was based on a series of technical applications of routines or lines or uh, gambits, they would call them, which were designed to lead you through a sequence. The attraction phase involved you doing a bunch of negs. So you remembered a story or a bunch of lines, you go up to the girl, you say this thing that you've prepared and rehearsed, she is supposed to give you a specific response, and when she does, then you have a counter to that, which then is supposed to have a, an effect on her where she feels weird about her self-esteem and suddenly she wants to have sex with you. Something like that. I, I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm condensing the, this <laughs> idea. But the problem with that, well, there was multiple problems with that. The first and most important problem with it is that it relies on the girl doing what you, what you presume she's going to do. And, and let me give you a little example. This is a, this is a story of what happened to me. Back in, I don't know, 2005-ish, when I first was going out, I was meeting with other guys in, in the lairs, which were these underground seduction forums, and meeting up with, my, with early wings. So I was just like, I needed some guys to go out and pick up chicks with. I didn't know anybody. I found this forum. There was a bunch of dudes there. They were studying Mystery Method and various other... ABC technical types of uh, seduction systems. And so I just went out with whoever I could back then. I, I couldn't be picky. So I was out with this guy, he was a nice enough dude. We were, we were, we were at a, a lounge bar and we were talking to two Asian girls. Now I'm not profiling them as Asians because I'm racist. It is significant to the story. Anyway, two lovely Asian girls, Australian Asians. And I'm chatting to my girl and I didn't have any, any techniques or any system. And I, Back then, I didn't have any principles either. I was just talking to people and trying to figure things out by watching the responses I got from girls. And so we're sitting you know, in a little kind of booth thing. So I, I'm sitting next to my girl. He's sitting next to his. I can hear what he's saying to his girl as well because it was a, a jazz lounge bar, so it wasn't loud. So I'm just having a chat to this girl about her job or something. And then I hear him delivering a mystery method neg. And it goes something like that, like this. And... Uh, he said something like, oh, wow, your, your hair's really pretty. How did you get the dreadlocks so clean? And the girl just goes, what? And he goes, and you could see him like thinking, well, this is the line, so I better double down on it. <laughs> so he said it again. He's like, uh, uh, your hair looks really nice. How did you get your dreadlocks so clean? And she just goes, fuck off, cunt. And then stood up and says, come on, Sarah. And then took her friend. I always call every girl Sarah because I can't remember the names. It takes a hand and walks the girls off. And we're sitting there and I said, dude. And he's like, yeah, I know that didn't work. Why not? So let's pause here a little minute. Firstly, you might be thinking, what the fuck is that line? Well, that line as a neg may kind of makes sense under a certain circumstance. It makes sense that if you were in college bar in America or in, or in the UK uh, with a white girl, 
with a big mane of hair, right? She's got a big hairdo and she's got lots of hairspray in it. This is why the racial thing is kind of relevant, all right? So she's, she's a blonde Aussie chick or Caucasian girl with a big shock of hair and she's sprayed it and it's all buffed up and it's got like, you know, that kind of bed hair look. All right, there, the neg kind of makes sense because she, you're referring to her like big massive hair. And so the thing that you could mistakenly think it was dreadlocks because you don't know about hair because you're a man might have the effect, right? So the problem being that because she was Asian and had perfectly straight black, you know, like that shimmering curtain, like in a shampoo ad, perfectly straight black hair, it made absolutely no sense. And it was just simply an insult to which he, she said, Fuck you, cunt. <laughs> Which just, when Australians say that word, for some reason, I, I don't know, it feels softer. Does it? Probably not. It probably sounds horrible to you guys. Anyway, the point being that the technique, uh, even if it was good in some circumstance, not saying it was, but even if it was, was, was not applicable across the board. You couldn't say that to every girl because if she had a shaved head, it would make no fucking sense. If she was an Asian girl with a, with a manga curtain of perfect black hair made no fucking sense. So what was happening with these early systems was that they relied on the girl being a robot, that you could program her to, that you knew she was going to say this and then you said that. And then this, this extrapolates out into all sorts of other art forms. When I first started coming to understand principles, I came to it through martial arts. I had studied some systems of martial arts early on that were technical based. So what that meant was that when someone threw a straight punch at you, you did an upper block, right? When someone threw a roundhouse, I can't really do it in my, in, my, in my comfy chair, but when someone threw a roundhouse punch at you, you did a side block, right? And so you had, in your mind, a bank of all of these technical tools. And so this, the person delivered the attack, you had a defense, or you did a specific attack, and then they did a counter, right? So you had all, this, all these tools in your mind. And in, my early, in the early stages of me learning, I was fascinated by this because it was like I wanted to collect all of them. And, and you look at early Kung Fu movies and it's always about that. It's like the, the, the secret method of the five finger exploding palm technique that you can only find in this last manual. Right? And so you would find the special technique that could beat all other techniques. Um, and that was the attitude of the, early, of the early seduction teachers or marketers. Right? They were, I mean, mostly it was about selling shit to you. Right? So they would say, okay, we've discovered this new text line or this new unbreakable opener, uh, you know, or this new routine that just fucking flattens every girl's defenses and that you just, you just throw it at them and they're like, oh my God, and titties bursting out everywhere. Like, she, like, like she's got eight tits and they all just burst out all at once. So that was the idea and that was the fantasy. And it is, it is a, a, an attractive idea, right? That, okay, I just need to learn enough of these things and then I'm ready. Then I got all of my weapons at my disposal. So I go into battle and I say this, and then she replies and I use that one. And then she says this, and I pull out a bit of this one. Now, I recognized when I was studying martial arts early on that this was not practical. And you know why? Because in the heat of battle, right? Because when you're in an actual fight, and I've only been in four, four or five fights in my life. And every time I got in a fight, I ended up not using all the fancy cool moves that I'd learned and practiced and like fantasized in my head. You know, you know, we all, we all have that, right? You all have a fantasy that, you know, like there's a dude pushing, pushing a girl around and you go, hey there, you can't do that. 
I don't know, I was about to do an American voice, I don't know, hey, dude, you can't touch her. And, and then the guy turns around and goes, what, fuck you, and then attacks you and you do this mad move. And I'd been practicing all my karate moves for ages so that I could do some cool spinning roundhouse kick and flatten the dude and just be like, yeah, that's right. And the girl comes and hugs me and goes, my hero. You know, white knight kung fu fantasy. <laughs> so, but when I actually did get in fights, they, they happen very fast, they're over very quickly. It's a very strange sensation when you're not used to it. I'm not a fighter, so I'm not someone who goes in the ring all the time. I guess if you're an MMA fighter, you get used to being in that situation. And so it's, but when I was not used to it, suddenly your blood is pumping, your adrenaline is through the roof. My, my, my body was shaking. I mean, it's I actually even remembering now those fights, I feel a bit of that sensation in my body. Uh, you know, I, wasn't in, I was not in control of my state or I wasn't super uh, you know, focused and clear. I wasn't just sitting there ready to sniper this guy out with my mad moves. It all happened in seconds. Guy throws a punch at me and something came out. And you know what it was? It was the simplest thing that I'd learned. The thing that I had repeated from a principle understanding, which I'll explain more about in a while, many, many times, but it was, it was the thing that was the simplest and made the most sense in the moment. I couldn't pull out the fancy move because I had to think about that and, and prepare it and you know get ready to spin around and get my Bruce Lee look at the end of it. Oh, yeah, motherfucker. So as I was studying these early systems of martial arts uh, and I got in my first fight and, and I was like, oh, okay, that didn't turn out the way I, I, I thought of it. I, I expected it to. I started looking for other systems and I eventually found myself in Shaolin Temple in China which is a whole other story. Many of you guys would know this story and uh, I don't want to bang on about it here. Uh, well, I kind of do, but nah, nah, we don't have to do that one. But when I found other teachers, they showed me that there are actually underlying principles that tie together all techniques. So keep that in mind, that when you understand core principles, all techniques spring from this. So if we go back to the early systems of seduction, the, the early teachers, Mystery, Ross Jeffries, and a bunch of those early guys, did not understand principles. What they were doing was they were looking at men who seemed to be good with women, men who got results, and they were looking at what does this guy do? Okay, so the idea behind a neg, for those who don't know what that is, it's a, it's a backhanded compliment. It sounds like a compliment, but it feels like an insult, right? So she can't, in the situation with the Asian girl, it sounded like an insult, and it, was, it felt like an insult and it was an insult. So it didn't have the effect it was supposed to have. With the, with the girl with the big bouffant of blonde hair, the guy says, oh, you know, your hair looks lovely. How do you get your dreadlocks so clean? Sounds like a compliment. So she can't get angry, but it feels like she's like, oh, what, what's wrong with my hair? That Did I not wash my hair properly? This guy thinks they're dreadlocks. And so her self-esteem drops a little bit and she's a bit uncertain. And then the guy goes in for the kill. Right, so that's the idea behind the neg. I know it's kind of disgusting, but that's the way it is. What, were the, what, were the, what was this based on? This was based on looking at the way a cocky, confident guy who's in a bar, who's got options, you know, who's been laid, who's already fucked today, not fucked the day, but he already had sex on the same day. Not with a day, but with a woman in the day. I mean, it could be at night or day. Just He already had sex today. He's feeling cool. His balls are drained. And so he's just out there having fun uh, and, uh, you know, he's chatting to some girl and he's kind of teasing her a little bit and he's just, uh, just going, oh, you look fucking, you look cool with dreadlocks, actually, just because he felt like saying that. 
And the girl goes, oh, what are you talking about? This is Australian one and like gives him a little punch in the arm and he goes, ah, you know, anyway, what's your name? Right, so a little bit of teasy cocky banter. And what that does is, is it shows the girl, oh, okay, this guy's, this guy's not needy. This guy is not desperate. This guy has options. This guy's fun. This guy doesn't take life too seriously. This guy doesn't take me or the situation too seriously. He's not intimidated by my beauty, right? All of that stuff is subcommunicated by the guy that's just able to tease her a little bit, right? So it's like, okay, this is, this is my mate that we tease each other. And so therefore she's like, oh, this guy doesn't need me. And so she gets that chase mode or she feels like I, I want to impress this guy or she makes it easy on him, right? So that's what happened. The early teachers look at what is that guy doing? He seems to be saying these kind of things. Okay, let's codify that into a way of, you know, um, ABC steps, and then we can just pull this out. Here's our technique. That should work because it worked. We looked at him and we modeled him and it does the same thing, right? Not really. So fast forward to the present day. These days, most of the companies that, that are teaching seduction professionally around the world don't do this anymore, right? It's, it's pretty rare that you will come across, well, if you, you can, you certainly can find them. They're the fly-by-night, no-name coaches that just pop up and promise the like, here is the ultimate ABC step to get any woman to fuck you tonight. Those guys kind of still exist, but they're just the trashy marketers. The companies where the, the coaches are known entities, they've been coaching for a long time, uh, you know, they stake their personal reputation on it. Almost nobody does that anymore because we, everyone realized at some point the problems with it uh, and also the audience got smarter, right? The early, early guys who, when 2000s, early 2000s, when people were researching seduction, there wasn't a lot of information. Uh, it was very easy to impress a guy on the internet. If the first infield videos, if you, I think, pick up 101 had some of the first infield, were really very unimpressive, but they were impressive because it was the first time in history that they had captured on film a man talking to a woman that he didn't know and getting her phone number. <gasps> like this was a revelation. People were like, boom, mind blown. A man talked to a woman and got her phone number. <laughs> oh, it's funny shit thinking back on it. But that was, a, you know, that was, okay, so it was easier to impress uh, the market. These days, as you guys can see, we have to have super high production values uh, just to get your attention because everyone's attention span is, and they're like, oh, I've seen that. Can you guys, drones, Drea, we've seen that. You know, okay, when, where's, the, where's the 3D fucking holographic version of that? And we're like, we're working on it, guys. We're coming up with new stuff. Please, please watch our videos. Anyway, so the market's more savvy and the, the teachers eventually realized it was bullshit, or I, I hope. Anyway, people dropped it. So that doesn't happen so much anymore. And yet, still, I don't know of any other company, uh, except for John Keegan, you know, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, maybe there's other guys out there. I, I can't say that I know everybody and what they do all the time. But most of the companies that teach still don't understand principles. Or if they do, they're not, they're hiding it. They, they've shifted from the like technical aspects to more of these vague mindset uh, descriptions. So things such as beast mode, right? Or getting in flow state or woo state as one of the early uh, instructors had this thing. He had a whole thing in his early product. Uh, we know who it is. It's one of the early RSD guys. 
and he had a whole, I sat through this once, uh, like an hour long lecture on how he would, and he was an Australian, he was like, you know, go into the club and I'd be like, woo state. And we're like, okay guys, we're going in and you're gonna go in with, and the guys, and then the students like, should I go like maximum woo or like medium woo? And I'd be like, I'd look at the crowd and I'd have a look around and be like, let's go me, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, this is for real, you can look this up. Uh, like, let's go medium woo, cause like, you know, vibe was still a bit like, you know, medium. And so what we do, we walk in the door, this is probably gonna peek out the microphone, so put your thing, walk in the door and we go, oh, guys, medium woo. Woo! You guys waiting for the next bit of this piece of genius, right? Because obviously that's the start of it. It's a pretty good start, right? But you're waiting for the next bit, right? Okay, there is no next bit. That was it. Like it was an hour long thing on the concept of like going in and clapping your hands and going woo! And that was like a thing, right? Okay. Okay, well, that sold a lot. That product sold a lot. <laughs> anyway, so yes, the market has improved its intelligence and its savviness since then. But a lot of those companies still do those kinds of things. They just make them sound a bit more fancy. And really what they're relating to beast mode, where someone's saying, you know, like, you know, if you're a gorilla, you think, you, you think you're worried about approach anxiety? No, you're in beast mode where you're like, I'm an alpha and I'm like projecting alpha and I'm just being there. I'm in the state. I'm a flow. I'm an alpha. I'm a beast. I'm a machine. I'm a alpha beast machine with fucking ninjas flying out my ears and, and fucking every time I fart, nuclear warheads go off in Russia. Wow, this is that's a cool image actually. So that's beast mode or like maximum fucking on it something, right? These 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 concepts. Now this is still not natural seduction decoded. This is still not an understanding of the principles underlying it. What this is talking about is state. It's talking about mood. It's talking about a feeling. Now I'm not saying that that's ir irrelevant or or totally useless. I'm not. What that guy was doing really, what he, what he was saying is that the way he pumps himself, like he goes into a bar and instead of it being in his head going, okay, I'm going in there to, to approach women tonight. And, and, and I read that book that said I need, a th in three seconds, I need to talk to somebody and then I need to do a, a throw a neg at her and then I need to something, you know, and I need to attract a seven uh, and then I need to parade her past a nine and then I need to upgrade, right? So going in with this like big technical list of how I'm going to, uh, you know, solve the, the, solve the algorithm of the club, obviously that's, that's a really weird mindset. Like that's not a fun thing, way to think, right? Guys who go to bars who are naturals don't think that. Not, that none of those thoughts would ever enter their head. It would be more like woo state, right? I'm going in, I'm having fun and yeah. So really what he's talking about is how to pump yourself up in a small amount of time to be like, okay, let's do this. All right, me, I'm talking to me. All right, let's just go in, fuck it. Woo, here I am at the party, everybody. Okay, I get it, right? It's, it's not, it's not uh, particularly nuanced, but I get what's going on there. And for a guy that's, you know, it's better than, better than nothing. It's better than going in with this strange checklist of things you gotta do. Just go in there and clap your hands and say, woo, party time. It's the party guy. Pistol fingers, right? you know, it's, Still not great, right? I'm feeling, I don't feel like I'm really gonna get laid tonight. I mean, I'm in a 200 year old house in the middle of nowhere. The closest woman is many kilometers away, so I'm definitely not getting laid tonight. But even if there was women all around, I still don't feel like this is the best thing to do. You get the idea, right? So many of these companies are simply looking at ways to pump your state, ways to kind of convince yourself that you're feeling good. Not, uh, this, this is a useful thing. 
And, and anyone who is good at, uh, you know, maximizing their effectiveness or their mood will know this stuff. Simple shit, putting on music and dancing around. People have done that since the first time they started banging things on other things. Yeah, jumping up and down, getting physical, you know, fucking having a coffee, <laughs> like fucking snorting some cocaine. Or, no, I don't recommend that. That's only going to last 20 minutes and then you're going to be all jittery and like, and then just going around going, asking weird dudes for cocaine. That also won't help you get laid. Right, so there's, there's good ways and there's bad ways to get into state. They can help you. That's all cool. But this still is missing the deep underlying point. The other thing that a lot of these companies emphasize is status, right? Uh, that, okay, I need to engineer a way for women to perceive me as a higher value male. And again, I'm not saying that this is irrelevant. This is, of course, totally relevant. Many men use leverage to their advantage. So, I mean, I started playing in a band when I was in my early 20s. And then we would go into a shitty bar, me and my bandmates. We would get up on stage. We would play to the 30 people in the audience. And I would have a better chance of picking up a girl in that bar, maybe. Actually, often not, but I, I presume so, than the dude standing in the audience. The problem was it didn't actually work that way because the dude in the audience had an hour and a half head start on me. Because <laughs> I'm up on stage impressing the girls going, this is me playing the flute, by the way, which is what I played. So is that impressive? Maybe that was the mistake. Let's just assume I was shredding the guitar, which I don't. You know, so I'm up there shredding. I don't play guitar. I'm up there fucking shredding. And, uh, you know, impressing and showing my status. And maybe I, I certainly had got to experience looking at girls in the audience and seeing them going, huh, like that they were, there was attraction. They were like, okay, he's doing something and he seems confident and he's up there and he's not famous, but he's the most famous man in the room. I know she's not thinking this logically. She's just going, hmm, maybe. Um, However, the other guy that was drunkenly next to her kind of bumping and grinding and like leaning over and pulling the trigger and like teasing her a bit, often that would be, the, I'd see the girls like leaving with dudes. I'm like, oh, can you just wait till the end? Are you impressed? Yeah, shit. Well, the point is that certainly there are ways to create leverage with status. Sure, if you roll into a bar and you're someone who's feeling confident, maximum woo state, someone who's feeling good, someone who uh, is comfortable, who is at ease, who's physically relaxed, you go in and you roll in with, a couple of girls, of course, that's gonna have an effect, right? So, and don't hire them. Like if you try and hire them, it's gonna look fake, right? So the, if you go in with some girls who like you, uh, other girls are gonna maybe look and go, oh, cool, there's a, there's a dude who's got some girls, probably not a killer, probably cool. So maybe that's gonna make things easier for you, cool. If you're the DJ in the club, if you're the guy who plays in the band, if you're the barman, you know, all of these things which have status in the sense that you are, a person has position in that environment and the environment is a social environment. Because the thing is, all of you guys, if you're good at anything, you're, the, you're a boss at something, right? The problem is that if you're a landscape gardener and, you're, and, you're, and you've got a team of dudes working for you, actually, no, that is kind of sexy as well. Let's say you're a coder and uh, you've got a few coders working with you and you are the boss of those, of those other coders. They, when, you, when, you, when you say hack, they hack. When you say backspace, they backspace. I'm gonna stop because I don't know any, anything more about computers than the word hack. Anyway, you're the boss of that and you have status in that realm and then like a girl in the office from somewhere else comes in to deliver something or whatever. Okay, maybe that's not gonna have any effect because the status doesn't register to her. 
because in that situation, sorry guys, sorry for every, all the software engineers out there, they're like, oh boy, you, you already know that. The status of you in that situation doesn't relate to the status she's interested in. She's interested theoretically, and of course there's a vast variation in the status within a social, a social realm. So if she's a hippie chick and she goes to a festival and there's a guy who's got a really big teepee and plays a mad djembe and has a bunch of other hippie chicks hanging around him and he says like waffling spiritual shit and the girl's like, wow, man. He's like, you know, I just like had an epiphany the other day. I was like meditating. I was like meditating for like two minutes. And then I came to the point where I realized everything's nothing. Yeah. Wow. And the girl's like, wow, man, it's so deep. And then like another chick comes in and goes, wow, you guys, did you guys go to Coachella? And like, he was like, yeah, I totally went to Coachella. She's like, wow, your hippie status is like slightly higher than the other hippie out there who's got a smaller gym than you. <laughs> uh, and therefore she wants to have tantric lovemaking sessions with you. Uh, another one of these kind of vague concepts that people peddle as natural game is self-amusement, which you just saw an example of just before where I amused myself because I was so impressed with my impression of a sleazy tantra dude at Coachella. Now, again, similar to the state stuff, I'm not saying this is bad. It's great. Of course, well, I hope you, I don't know if you think it's great what I just did, but I feel better because I did. <laughs> the point is that self-amusement is not about some technique. It's about being uh, happy that you're alive. It's about enjoying the fact you're here. People who are enjoying the experience of being a human being alive are more charismatic and more attractive. People want to hang out with them because they feel better hanging out with someone who feels good. You don't want to hang out with someone who's feeling depressed and cynical and angry. And if you do, it's because probably you're in that state as well and then misery loves company. And if you, if you have friends where the only way that you relate to each other is through whinging, whining, complaining, being cynical and like, uh, like sharply sarcastic. And there are people who do that. They take pleasure and pride in the fact that they're not enjoying being alive and they turn it into some kind of ironic art form. And sometimes people, you see a comedian who is very sarcastic, who hates themselves, hates life, and is very good at pointing at the darkest, nastiest pieces of life and making jokes out of it. Okay, they can be very witty, but if that is the way they really think and the way they really are, they would not be pleasant people to hang around. You wouldn't want to hang around them. And if you're that person, you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and not be cynical about it and try and change that because it's going to mean that your life will be fucked. That's just a little aside, but it's an important one. So anyway, self-amusement, great, because just back it to that aside, I used to be that guy. Seriously, I was the guy whose significance came from cynicism. And it's a dark place to be. And I'm much, much happier being the guy where I mostly enjoy being alive. So self-amusement is, is a wonderful thing. But when it's practiced as like, okay, that's what naturals do. They amuse themselves all the time. and They don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. And uh, that's, that's how they get chicks. Then it gets mutated and warped into something that is the opposite of what it was intended to be. Back in the early days, there was a company, Pickup 101, and one of my, the guys that became a coach for me in the early days, he was doing internship for them. And one of the, this is really true, you can probably research, I'm not making this shit up, 
guys paid quite a lot for those workshops because they were some of the first company that had the infield. You know, they had the infield of the man, the woman, the number. You know, remember that? And they had this thing. They'd get the guys in a group and they would run around in a circle spanking their own butts like, like 10 dudes running around in a circle spanking their own butts saying, who's a naughty boy? Who's a naughty boy? I'm like, what the fuck? They were like doing some weird hazing kind of <laughs> initiation on these dudes. I think because they had no idea what they were doing as teachers and uh, maybe they were just being sadistic cunts. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, that was an idea of self-amusement. Fast forward a few years, RSD did the same thing with the circle of oi. Look it up. It's a, it's a real thing. And that was basically a very, very aggressive street harassment. It was, if that happened today, uh, those, those people would be in handcuffs. Uh, a few years ago, I, I don't know, things were a little different. And that was uh, a bunch of dudes on an RSD boot camp would be strolling down the strip in Vegas or whatever. And then the instructor would, would see a few girls and go, circle of oi time, boys. And then they'd run and then circle these girls and jump around them going, oi, 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 oi. Just basically trapping these girls in a circle of fuckwits, uh, screaming oi in their faces until they were in state, until they were self-amused. Right. Okay. So that was, that was the technique of self-amusement. Of course, there are much more nuanced ways to do that. Sasha Daygame, very good friend of mine and, and collaborator for many years who now is no longer a seduction coach. He's become a spiritual, very spiritual person and that he's mostly interested in uh, fasting and meditating and spreading the word of peace and love and harmony, which is fucking awesome. I, I like what you're doing, Sasha. Back in the day when he was the world's you know, best known crazy day gamer, his whole thing was about social freedoms and self-amusement. And he had really good and fun drills and great ways to help guys to get out of their heads to stop worrying about what the bystanders were thinking and to stop stressing out about the consequences of these actions which were not dangerous and just to have some fun and to be amused and to amuse people and take the piss out of themselves and other people and cause a bit of social friction in a kind way, not in the like, let's circle some girls and uh, trap them and harass them and make them feel terrified so we can feel better about ourselves. But, you know, fun things like going up to one of, you know, fun Sasha drills where you'd go up to the window where people, like some people were sitting having a coffee and you put your nose against the window and just kind of like stare into space, just kind of mong out. And like not staring even at the people, just kind of staring over their head. And then the people would eventually look over and go, uh, what the fuck? And that's the, and the, it was the self-amusement was that they think you're a fucking weirdo. You, you're, you're sitting in the pressure of like inside, because often, right, this is a, 38-year-old engineer with, with a PhD, <laughs> who's the client, who's now standing with his nose stuck against the wall, looking like he's just had a lobotomy. And the people inside think he's insane, and he has to experience that, right? And to come to a, a special Zen piece where you are let go of the idea that I need to be a 38-year-old engineer with a PhD, and people need to know this, and I'm a smart man, and I'm a good member of society, and I follow the rules and I pay my taxes and I go to work and I do my job and I, I do all that until I eventually get my wife allocated to me right and then I work and work until I retire and then I die. That was what Sasha was all about cracking. Was that like, dudes, don't take life so fucking seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't worry about what that dude over there or that old lady thinks because 
that they, they've forgotten about you already and they're gonna, and that old lady, she's gonna die before you anyway. So she's, those memories will be gone off the planet anyway. You know, that was his whole thing. Loosen up, fucking let go, chill the fuck out, have some fun, be a dick sometimes, right? Self-amusement in a very nuanced and positive way, right? So excellent stuff. Yet still, all of this does not hit the core of the principles. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.